Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. This show will begin shortly after these messages from our advertisers. Advertising is what keeps the show alive. Your support means they'll continue to advertise and the podcast will continue to be free. This statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you in bad pain? You know what I mean. Your knees hurt, your shoulder hurts, and your back. Oh my God, your back. They're constantly killing you. And I'm sure you've tried every pain pill or cream available at the drugstore. Am I right? Well, here is something you haven't tried. Pain Absolve. Pain Absolve is not available in any drugstore. The only way to get it is by calling today. We're so confident that it will work for you that we offer a free bottle with your purchase. No prescription needed. And best of all, each purchase comes with a money-back guarantee. Call now to find out how you can get Pain Absolve and get rid of your pain. Call 800-261-0783. That's 800-261-0783. 800-261-0783. Call today. 800-261-0783. Are you lacking a little something between paranormal and abnormal? You need the Into the Paranormal store. Now open at ParabnormalRadio.com. From hoodies to shirts, accessories, and our digital music library, it's all available in the Into the Paranormal store. Your purchase directly helps support the show. Thanks for buying from the Into the Paranormal store at ParabnormalRadio.com. En USPS entregamos más paquetes para que tú también puedas hacerlo. ¡Llegaron mis zapatos de fútbol! Más rápido de lo que esperaba. ¿Entrega para la futura deportista? ¡Huepa! Llegó la sortija y le va a encantar. Está en ella. ¿Entrega para una futura esposa? ¡Oye! Llegó mi nueva computadora. ¡Uh! ¿Entrega para una futura startup? En USPS, sin importar el negocio que tengas, siempre estaremos entregando por ti. Entregamos para todos. Conoce más en USPS.com diagonal para todos. You can find Into the Paranormal's podcasts pretty much anywhere on TuneIn, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iTunes, and more. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to our feeds now. Coming soon, commercial-free versions for just dollars a month. Stay tuned at ParanormalRadio.com. Sighting 
time on a different show hello from the cold dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote pacific northwest i bid you good evening i'm jeremy scott and tonight you know it's one of those shows you don't even know right now how good you have it (laughs) i know what we've got coming up in john jeter's paranormal news i know what we're going to be talking about With my guest tonight, and it is going to be a program for the ages. Tonight, are we living an artificial existence? I'm going to be talking about that topic. Also, we might even get into the Mandela Effect. I hope we will have some time to actually get into the Mandela Effect tonight. And also about the topic of consciousness. But there is some weird stuff happening right now. Some very weird stuff. I, I am hearing from you out there in Radio Lands that you are not really getting the program. And that makes me very, very sad. Um, we have been having some internet problems here in the bunker, in the dungeon, in fact, and uh, it is uh, very, very mysterious. I know that we have been able to make contact with my guest tonight, but I'm not sure how stable the connection is. Knock on wood, we make it through the evening tonight. You know, it is April, and... um, It's very odd that we should be, at least in my neck of the woods, having to deal with any sort of weather. Um, But we have had some crazy weather the past couple of days. Uh, And that has included lots of wind, uh, lots of thunder and lightning. And I am hoping, friends, I am hoping, friends, knock on wood, that we are able to make it through the program tonight. 
uh, with no problems. So we it could be a bumpy ride at times, but um, let's do it together. 818-672-6865. That's 818-672-6865. Um, just some thoughts up first. I uh, I saw a movie last night. It's a very weird thing that I should actually watch a movie. Uh, I've got Netflix and Hulu now, and um, you know I had Netflix for a while, but but the Hulu has come on with the last uh, month and a half or so, and so I'm watching a lot more on demand content. And one of the shows that uh, that I was watching last night was a program called Dark Exorcism, which came out in 2015 about a grad student and a paranormal investigator who found a very, very troubled woman, to say the least, in a haunted house. And it turned out to be more than they could handle. Very well done. Uh, when you look at some of the main characters, you will not recognize many names. Uh, I certainly don't recognize many of those names. But it was very well done. So if you have Hulu, uh, and it might be on some other platforms, uh, it might be cool for you, for you to check that out. But tonight, we're going to be talking about what is a subject that really has cropped up of late. I want to tell you, friends, that my guest tonight has been talking about this subject for longer than, uh, than the bandwagon of folks uh, who have jumped on it of late. Uh, because there have been an awful lot of people who lately have jumped on this bandwagon and have said, well, we believe that there is something to the effect that we are living in a matrix or we are living in a simulation or another reality or (laughs) however you want to say it. But Jim Elvidge was on this bandwagon a long time ago. He probably started the bandwagon. Isn't that about uh, right? Jim, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks very, very much, Jeremy. Can you hear me okay? You are coming in five by five. Excellent. So um, a little bit about Jim, um, because you would have to agree, friends, that there is just a little something odd out there about the, the, fact, the world that we live in. Something about our reality that isn't quite random, maybe a little too programmed. And could it be that we are living in an artificial existence? Jim Elvidge, holding a master's degree in electric engineering, is my guest tonight, and he has a specialization in digital signal processing. He has applied his training in the high-tech world as a leader in technology and enterprise management and his four patents in digital signal processing. He is a science researcher and keeps pace with the latest theories, research, and discoveries in the varied fields of quantum physics, cosmology, artificial intelligence, nanotechnology, and metaphysical anomalies. Elvidge, as I mentioned, was far ahead of the simulation bandwagon when he wrote The Universe Solved in 2008 presenting outstanding evidence that our reality may be under programmed control. His research and theory has continued well beyond the simulation hypothesis and incorporated powerful ideas around consciousness, 
cultural synchronicities, quantum anomalies, and a true scientific foundation for digital consciousness theory. That is the uh, focus of his second book, which I hope to spend some time talking with Jim tonight as uh, well as uh, about as well, digital consciousness. So, Jim, you say within 30 years we're going to be able to create virtual environments indistinguishable from our reality. What do you mean by that? Well, we're kind of doing it today. I certainly wouldn't say it's indistinguishable, but um, if you go into some a Best Buy or a, a Fry's or one of these stores that has some great TV systems, uh, some great entertainment systems, and they're playing one of the latest video games, uh, maybe a simulation game, some of those look so realistic now. Uh, I used to use as a as an argument the the Madden series, and if you look at the the Madden games, they you, you almost can't tell you're not watching a real football game so we're, we're, we're close to the point where we can perceive things that uh, i had to step away for just a second we had to uh we had to reboot uh, the modem uh because we're having a little bit of a biological attack here on the studio uh, on our internet connection it's very weird um and and here's the reason that i know we're getting hacked here tonight because jim and i are able to talk he can hear me I can hear him, and yet you out there in the listening audience are having a problem hearing this program. Listen up. Take note. There is some weird crap happening right now. I'm hearing from you affiliates. I don't know what to do. Um, literally, every single thing that I'm trying to do here is being attacked Right and left. <sighs> um, but I think that we have at least put in some protections in place that might guard us through the rest of this program. Um, the Internet's just now going to be coming back. Things are going to be coming online here. And... Um, and we're going to get back to our conversation here with Jim Elvidge here in, in just a, a moment or so. I, I'm pausing just because I want to give everybody uh, the opportunity to hear what we're going to be talking about. And most of you cannot hear me right now. So we're just going to allow a little bit of time for everybody to rejoin us. And uh, then we'll bring back into the conversation Jim Elvidge and continue our conversation about a very, a very interesting um, subject tonight that I'm very, very um, finding it odd that we are having any sort of, uh, of interference with, with our conversation here tonight. But um, nonetheless, I think it is pretty apparent out there ladies and gentlemen that um that we are living in a day and age in which there is so much brutality happening i would have to ask you if it was a programmed reality why is it programmed so horribly that terrorists are taking lives that all sorts of bad stuff is happening in this world. And why could it not be better for every single one of us 
I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that we may be back live with you. I welcome you into what has been an absolute crazy, crazy night for this program to get lifted off the ground. I see that I am back live, that some of you are receiving the transmissions, and all I can say, ladies and gentlemen, is it has been a long time since I have had these sort of problems um, on the air. It has been a long time since I've had these kinds of problems, but we are having some sort of attack on the internet tonight, the internet that serves... Uh, this stream out to you and the internet stream that is a totally separate stream but that also serves our loyal radio affiliates and streaming partners which I want to say hello to everyone who is probably just now hearing my voice in uh, in unchoppy form for the first time this evening and I apologize about that but to recap uh, we have su- suffered some sort of attack on the infrastructure uh, to bring you this program out of the dungeon here tonight. Um, and I find it a little bit odd because of the subject material that we're going to talk about with Jim Elvidge, who was joining us. And then we had that Internet uh, problem, which um, pretty much knocked us off everywhere. We are back. We are live. And uh, I hope that I can get Jim Elvidge back with me here in just a moment because I did want to uh, reboot that computer just to make sure that we weren't going to have any further problems um, tonight. But the topic of are we living in an artificial uh, existence is, as I mentioned, a topic that Jim Elvidge has been talking about far before the mainstream has ever picked it up. A lot of people are talking about Matrix-like scenarios, and Jim wrote a book about it in 2008, but his research had to have started an awful lot longer before that. So when did it start, Jim? Um, Yeah, sure. My research started uh, probably maybe three years before that, Um, but to be honest, a lot of the aspects of this whole idea um, has been – discussed and research started many, many years before that. So, for example, Plato's Cave. Plato's Cave is the idea that we're living in an illusory world, kind of like the Maya illusion. Um, historical philosophers, they questioned the, how solid reality was all the way back in ancient Greek times, the 500 BC or something like that. I did hear some sirens in the background, and then Jim's connection went dead. Everything all right there, Jim? <laughs> and uh, Wachowski brothers, certainly with the Matrix in 1999, they kind of popularized the the idea of living in a simulation of sorts. And then uh, Nick Bostrom came along. He's a philosopher at o- Oxford, and he wrote something called the simulation argument, which really I think was was the genesis of people, you know, kind of looking at this and and giving it some credibility because his his argument is pretty sound. Although there are some detractors out there, certainly there are with everything. But in general, it's pretty sound, and it's gotten people thinking. So based on that, based on a lot of other research that's going on in the scientific fields and paranormal fields and things like that, I was able to kind of uh, put together a comprehensive theory of reality, really, that, that explains a lot of this stuff. 
Jim Elvidge is my guest. We welcome you to the program here on this Saturday evening. He is author of The Universe Solved, and that is his website, theuniversesolved.com, at The Universe Solved on Facebook and at Twitter. Um, I had asked you earlier about your statement uh, that within 30 years we'll be able to create virtual environments indistinguishable from our reality, and that's when we had this crazy turn of events. So let's pick it up there, Jim. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, no, I was just saying that we, we already have – we love simulations. I mean being in an immersive environment of a different world – is something that just kind of drives humans. It's why we love the movie Avatar or any movie for that matter. It gets you immersed in a in a different world. And the more that it becomes uh, similar to your reality with uh, surround sound or wide screens or 360 screens and those kinds of things, um, the more real it seems. Now you put a headset on, uh, a virtual reality headset. I have one for the Sony PlayStation. Uh, there's Oculus Rift. There's lots of other technologies out there. You put that on, and now you can look all over the place, and it, it feels even more real. So we're, we're definitely heading for technology that makes it possible to be in an environment where you just can't tell from looking and hearing from your normal senses whether it's real or not. Now, at some point, you'll you'll be able to say, well, I remember when I put my headset on. So I know I'm not in a, um, you know, I, I know I'm not in a real environment. I know this is simulated or something like that. But we're also doing experiments now with the ability to uh, erase memories or implant memories, potentially upload memories. So imagine a day, and it certainly could be as soon as 30 years or even sooner, where you have some mechanism, maybe it's a, uh, you know, a probe in, in your, your brain or some, some, uh, some contacts or something like that, some mechanism where you can s- store away your current state, kind of like what we do with computers. We say we're going we're gonna to archive our, our, our computer so that we can restore it if, if we ever need a backup. So you, you store away your current state of your, of your mind effectively. And now you instantiate a whole new scenario. And if it's done without these clumsy devices, the gloves and the, and the goggles and things like that, and it's done instead via nanotech or via, um, you know, electrical probes or something like this. Uh, now, you can be presented a reality that looks perfect to you, you know, perfectly real to you, and you don't remember a previous one. So you would actually have no idea whether you're living in a real reality or not. And somehow at the end of this simulation, you would have to restore your your current reality. So that's what I mean by the technology, you know, getting to the point where we will be able to do that. Whether it's 30 years or 20 years or 50 years doesn't really matter. The fact that we will be able to do it is what Bostrom is talking about when he says, you know, if we are going to be able to do it, how do we know that we already haven't reached that phase and are living in some sort of simulated reality? Now, I do take issue with the with this theory a little bit and and we can get into some details about why we'll pick that up when we come back with jim elvidge artificial existence and more tonight rocking finally now into this uh, saturday evening i'm jeremy scott stick with us
Normal Show for everything into the Parabnormal. There's a subject that most people regard as fringe. These stories are right from the mouths of experiencers. This is not just another UFO documentary. The Watchmen Chronicles from L.A. Marzulli. Yet the people in this film have seen something. I've seen a UFO. I've seen a UFO. And I saw a UFO. And I saw a UFO. I've seen a UFO. A, a UFO. People from all walks of life have come on the record in their own words, and their testimony is true. Join me as we explore the folks who have had encounters in their own words. Order The Watchmen Chronicles now at ParabnormalRadio.com and experience UFO encounters never before told this way. For a limited time, buy one, get the second half off. Click the special offer at ParabnormalRadio.com to order your copy of The Watchman Chronicles today. Jimmy here, and I'd like to welcome my newest sponsor, Pill Pack. Don't order online. Call this number today and order from them directly, 800-441-0349. You've never heard of Pill Pack? Forget waiting in line at the pharmacy. This works with your insurance, you'll pay your normal copay, and there's free home delivery. 1-800-441-0349. That's 800-441-0349 for PillPack. Our house, it has no internet. Low on data or away from the internet? Hey, as long as you've got minutes on your phone, you can listen to Into the Paranormal live for free. Call 641-793-7154. Or 515-605-9553. And listen to Into the Paranormal on your phone anytime for free. Yeah, baby. (laughs) 641-793-7154. Or 515-605-9553. This is Into the Paranormal 24-7. Powered by Radionomy at ParanormalRadio.com. This is Paranormal News. I'm John Jeter. Of all the UFO sightings in Canada last year, just over 1,100, only 4% are said to really be identified. That's the first for the 28 years of the study produced by Winnipeg-based Ufology Research. People are still looking up in the sky. They're still seeing unusual things, and many of them turn out not to be things like planes and stars and satellites. They turn out to be something else that we don't know. More than half of the reports were lights. Flying saucers were reported 48 times, and triangles about 45 times. Maybe all we need to find Bigfoot is cold, hard cash. A publicly traded investment firm has a bounty on the head of a Bigfoot. Now, I don't like that. They might shoot and kill one. That wouldn't be good. One million dollars is the prize to whomever can provide scientific, biological, and conclusive proof of Squatch. Jeremy is certainly not holding his breath. Bigfoot Project Investments describes themselves as a sightings and encounters investigation and live capture team. The group says that they are committed to proving that Bigfoot is real once and for all. This is not for the faint of heart. For details about this billion-dollar Bigfoot bounty, 
searchingforbigfoot.com. Just how haunted are hospitals? Well, more than half of nurses in Argentina say they've witnessed the paranormal on the job. The most common reports are the feeling of a presence and hearing odd noises. Nearly 20% of the nurses say they have witnessed near-death experiences and patients being healed by religious intervention. The findings are published in the Journal of Scientific Exploration. Imagine what it's like in space without high-speed Internet. Bummer, man. NASA is currently developing a communications platform that would enable much higher data rates beamed from Earth as much as 100 times greater. It is said to hold the potential to revolutionize space communications, but it'll have to wait until at least the summer of 2019. Connect with these stories at ParabnormalRadio.com. I'm John Jeter, Paranormal News. Let's hear from you. You're traveling into the paranormal with Jeremy Scott. Let's get let's get right back into it uh, with uh, Jim Elvich tonight. Theuniversesolved.com is his website, and uh, you were taking issue with a theory right before the break, Jim. Yeah, um, and, and I, I really do appreciate what um, Nick Bostrom uh, came up with as far as his uh, theory about uh, living in a simulation. It's a very logical thing. Uh, the The concern I have about it is that it, um, it it doesn't address consciousness at all, and it doesn't really explain a lot of the sort of paranormal things, as, you, as you're very aware of, um, you know, why they would occur. So, for example, you know, people who have past life experiences – how does that fit into the idea of, you know, just sitting in a in a simulation that we've generated ourselves? It, it really doesn't. So so I think there's there's something beyond that. And, uh, you know, I know the title of this show talks about artificial reality and a lot of a lot of what we talk about has to do with how we perceive the words. Uh, the word artificial brings up all kinds of contexts. You know, there's this, this idea of, you know, something's real or something's artificial. Well, what does artificial mean? When you start thinking about what does, what does real really mean in, 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 the, in the context of what we're talking about, you know, having these, these uh, simulated experiences, what is real? And, and when you get right down to it, the, the only thing I think we can say is real is the fact that we're having an experience. How how that experience gets generated is almost almost kind of it's not that it doesn't matter. I mean that's what we're talking about tonight, and that's what's kind of driving me to to do this research is fascinating. But 
it really makes the word real and virtual and artificial. It just calls those those whole terms into question, right? Jim Elvidge, my guest. If you have questions, you can type them in the chat room on Spreaker.com tonight. You can also uh, call in at 818-672-6865. Again, that telephone number is 818-672-6865. The Skype is uh, into parabnormal. Uh, it's fair game tonight. Um, so I guess how would we know if we're living uh, – if the – if if it if it could actually be impossible to tell whether or not we have already reached that point, what are some of these signs that what we are living is a simulation, Jim? Yeah, sure. Uh, a lot of great signs. So one example is the uh, scientific research that's being done in the field of quantum mechanics. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the uh, what they call the double slit experiment, but this has been something that's been mystifying scientists for almost 100 years now. And basically the way it works is it, it, you you fire a stream of uh, light, which could be photons or particles like electrons, through um, uh, through the this split screen that has two slits in it. And then on the opposite side, it makes an interference pattern. And the interference pattern is kind of like the pattern that you'd get if you dropped a pebble in the uh, in a pond, you know, you have ripples going out and those ripples interfere with each other. Um, but that doesn't make sense for electrons. We think of electrons as these hard little, you know, balls of matter, you know, what's going on here? Why do we have this interference pattern? Well, um, so the, the, the scientific theory, you know, basically moved on a bit and said, okay, well, really, um, particles are both have wave properties and, and uh, physical properties. Uh, so they both act like particles and like waves, as does light. Um, Einstein was involved in this, this kind of research too. But here's where the really crazy thing came in. They found that when they took a, a separate way to determine which slit a particle was actually going through in this experiment, so when, as soon as they were able to determine the uh, the path of the particle, that whole interference pattern disappeared, which makes, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's like, oh, just because we're observing it, it changes its form. Um, so that, that's, that's been very baffling, and there have been no end of theories as to, to why this has happened. They're, they're, we're getting towards some really interesting ideas about what makes reality tick because of experiments like this. They, they've actually done one now where the uh, measurement of the path of the electron is done after the electron makes the interference pattern. And still, when you turn on the, the aspect of the experiment that records the direction that the particles go, that interference pattern just disappears again. It, it's almost like like re, the reality knows that it has to now establish definitive. Uh, we have the tools, the technology, the resolution of things to be able to explore this kind of stuff. And so, so there's one hint that our world is not objective, that what we think is out there seems pretty solid, but it isn't 100 percent. There's something else going on that influences what we see and what what we experience, and that thing that seems to influence it um, could be consciousness. It looks like it's, it, it probably has to do with consciousness, or you know the nature of the the, the setup of the experiment in in uh, in these kinds of experiments. 
So, so there's, there's a big hint that, that, that things aren't deterministic and materialistic. And, and frankly, uh, scientists have done experiments now with such high precision that they have been able to state clearly that to an order of 80 orders of magnitude, meaning, you know, there's a chance of an error here, one in a number of like one followed by 80 zeros, where they're that sure that our reality is soft and it's subjective and that there's no real hard objective reality out there. How much of this is science, Jim? Uh, well, that part, that aspect of it is science. Um, the, the interesting thing is that when you get into um, some of the more soft sciences, the ones that uh, use uh, questionnaires and uh, you know, looking at accumulation of anecdotal data and things like that, that's where things get a little bit fuzzy. It is true science, and science is just – um, it's just a method to make a hypothesis about something, figure out ways to test whether hi- the hypothesis is true. And if it is, you know, you keep refining your test to refine your hypothesis until you get to the point where you can say pretty convincingly, convincingly you have a theory. But you can never really say, well, we nailed it 100%. We know exactly what's going on. That's, that's not what science is about. Science is about, you know, evidence and uh, and probabilities and statistics and things like this. So it's perfectly fine to say, uh, well, you know, we had X number of uh, people doing an experiment in telepathy, and, uh, you know, so many of them were able to uh, hear what somebody else was thinking. And even though that is a small deviation from 50%, if you do the, those experiments frequently enough, kind of like if you're flipping pennies frequently enough, um, it becomes statistically significant when there are small changes that are consistent, um, you know, we might call subtle energies or subtle effects, those things that are consistent over time. That's science, too. And, uh, you know, a lot of the scientists who have built their reputations on the materialist, objective uh, idea that we were taught in school that everything is made of these, you know, fundamental little building blocks that are deterministic and, and, and that kind of thing. You know, when, when scientists are, are presented with anything that breaks that foundation, they run scared or actually they get angry and they, they call it pseudoscience or crackpots and, and things like that. And I'm sure you're, you know, you're, you're, you're very aware of that with the topics you cover on this show, but it's unfortunate because, it has nothing to do with real science. Real science is just collecting evidence and making hypotheses and refining them. Jim Elvidge, my guess, um, as far as the the thoughts uh, of a of a matrix or an artificial existence or anything of the like, um, I had some thoughts earlier. Uh, I'm not sure how many folks heard them or not. Um, if we are living in a reality that can be manipulated one way or the other. Why is it so good for others and bad for others? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so that that gets into kind of more uh, more of a, a deep realm here, and and this is where this is where I depart a little bit from some of the quote digital physicists or the people who believe in the the simulation theory. 
uh, a simulation theory a la the Bostrom type that a post-human civil- civilization might put together, it's very deterministic. Uh, a computer program is very deterministic. We could, we could you know, interact with a computer, a- any kind of virtual game or, or, or something like that, and it's always going to follow the exact same rules based on the input that it gets. Um, and, and, but but I, I think what's, what, what is really going on here is something a lot more subtle than that, and it has to do with the nature of our, our soul and our free will. Um, you have to, if you're going to have a theory that explains everything, you have to be able to explain the anomalous. Um, you have to be able to explain why are there cases of reincarnation? Why, why does every single culture around the globe you know, in historical times, shamanistic cultures uh, or, or, you know, ancient cultures, why do they always include, uh, you know, reincarnation as an element of their belief system? And it's only until recently that we've kind of gotten away from that in the West. It's still, you know, it's still part of the, uh, you know, part of the, the think system in a lot of Eastern cultures uh, to this day. Um, but there's still evidence for it. I mean, there are uh, a, there's been a lot of research on people who remember past lives, and that that those memories are actually corroborated. So that gets you into a whole different realm. Um, if if we're living in something that is a soft reality, and we reincarnate, then that separates our consciousness from our bodies, and it means that there's there's something much bigger going on. What I think is going on is that the whole system, the system being all that there is, I usually use that term. Some people might call it the universe, but the word universe, again, we're used to thinking of the word universe as everything that we see in this physical reality, everything that's out there that a telescope could see, um, we, we call the universe. But what about that non-physical reality? What about those places that people go when they have out-of-body experiences or where you go when you have a near-death experience or in-between lives or something like that? Um, that isn't normally what we think of as the universe. So I use another term. I use all that there is. Um, some people would call it the universe, metaverse, Akashic record, you know, take your pick. Um, but, um, you know, but, but that, that, it, you know, it indicates that there's something else out there. And so that something else has to be integrated into this whole idea. We've got a soft reality. Um, we do reincarnate. And why, you know, getting back to your original question, why do there seem to be people who are fortunate or good or why is there evil and things like that? According to conventional wisdom, a lot of it has to do with um, choosing your life and the free will that we have to interact with things. There's evil in the world. Or there, there are bad things that happen in the world because people have free will. They have the free will to make those happen. It's not like the program, you know, the underlying simulation, if you will, the underlying system is creating these negative scenarios for us. It's the free will of the, of the individual conscious entities that are modifying, it's interacting with the whole system. So, so that's what creates that. And why do people have the life lessons that they do? Well, honestly, you know, we, we don't learn from successes. If, 
if one good thing after another happens to us, we don't learn a damn thing. We don't evolve our consciousness. We don't, you know, do anything different. We really only learn from failures. So it's important to embrace those failures and to, to recognize that they're an opportunity to change, an opportunity to become better about something, to, to not be so, you know, angry or whatever it is, or, or to love our neighbor better, whatever those kinds of things are. Um, you know, I, I know I'm going into an area here that's that's much more metaphysical than scientific, and that's I think you know as part of the fascination of this whole this whole idea and this whole theory. Um, they they tie together very very well, um, and yet that aspect of it does you know seem to fall outside of a of a normal scientific point of view. Mm-hmm. Jim, can our uh, simulation or our artificial existence or whatever we want to call it be hacked? I don't know. Um, you know, w- w- a lot of people have have brought that up with respect to the Mandela effect that, that it's that it's a hack. Yes, I I don't know. Uh, you know, certainly if it's more like Bostrom's simulation hypothesis, where there's some you know you know we're living in an artificially generated reality, um, that would seem to be more subject to being hacked than what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a much more complex, deeper system. Um, and, and, and just in, in very quick words here, um, what I think has probably happened, and I'm borrowing uh, some ideas from people like Stephen Kaufman and, and Tom Campbell here, uh, what has probably happened is that our reality deep down is digital in a way. You know, it's, it's actually the only efficient way to, to have a reality, uh, if you really think about it. And it evolved over time to, to, to be um, more and more comprehensive, more and more complex, and offer our consciousness a way to, um, to evolve. So to do that, it created this physical reality that we play with, sort of analogous to the architect in the Matrix that created the Matrix. Um, the system created something that you might call a, uh, you know, a, a physical reality or a learning lab. Um, a virtual learning lab, something like this. And that's what we are in. That's what, when we look around and we see everything, we look out, um, what we're experiencing is that system. It's just a subset of the, the much bigger digital system that we, we live in. When we die, we get, we detach from this learning lab and we, you know, may interact with other entities, um, in another aspect of all that there is in our next life, we reattach to it in a different form. You know, we have a different avatar, same consciousness, um, but, but a different, uh, a different avatar that, that has a different scenario that it's playing out. In the metaphysical state, are there things that, uh, you know, even though it can't necessarily be hacked, are there things that we can change in our own existence or reality? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and and that's kind of the beauty of the theory too, is that it it explains why things like positive thinking work. Uh, th- there have been people who have had you know broken bones and used uh, visualization techniques to you know imagine the you know the fusing of those bones, and and they've they've been able to heal themselves better just through visualization, just through the power of their mind. Um, that that makes no sense in a materialistic, deterministic world, but it makes total sense when free will 
can influence the outcome of reality, the outcome of an experiment. So, you know, the example that I often use is, uh, let's imagine, you know, it's, it's sometimes a really good idea to take an example of a, uh, like a video game, a virtual video game that you might play, a World of Warcraft type of game. Um, imagine that you're playing a game like this and you come across a room and the room has doors on it, but there's no way to get into the room. There's no key uh, that will open those doors. Does the system need to design the inside of that room? Not at all. Doesn't have to put furniture in there. Doesn't have to put anything in there at all because nobody can get into it. In fact, it would be a waste of CPU cycles. It would be a waste of the efficiency of the system to do anything about creating the, the design of the inside of that room. However, as soon as, as soon as the system decides that it wants somebody to enter the room and say it places a key somewhere in the reality, somebody finds it, they, they open the lock, they open a door. Now the system has to dynamically generate the design of the inside of that room. So it's just in time dynamic generation of reality. And that is exactly what seems to be happening in these quantum mechanics experiments. When consciousness interacts with, with things, it brings them into existence. It, it collapses the wave function in the terms of uh, quantum mechanics uh, uh, physicists. The wave function collapses. This probability function collapses into reality. And it's just a fancy word for saying, now we know where it is and what it is and, and, and how fast it's going. We know the attributes of these particles or whatever, whereas before they were all fuzzy. So that's how our consciousness helps bring into effect reality. And if it can do that on that microscopic level, it can do that on a macroscopic level too, because that's just a sum of all the, you know, the, the impacts that your consciousness has. So yeah, it's, it can help you heal. It can help you, um, you know, make changes to your life. All those kinds of things, um, are, are possible in a world where your consciousness is separate from, from your, your apparent physical reality. Jim, what's coming up for you is we only have just a couple of minutes left in this hour, and I don't want to get us down a road in which we'll have to do an immediate left turn. Um, what's coming up for you, uh, on these topics, I know that you are uh, writing a second book about uh, this topic of consciousness. Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, there was a book re recently released called um, Visions, The World Transformed. I wrote an essay in that book. Uh, it was a number of uh, uh, you know futurists, uh, scientists, philosophers, and so forth. Um, so that just got uh, released, and that, that's available for purchase. That was a, a cool thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I finished the, the, the second book. It's got a working title now, but uh, it probably changed before it gets published. And I'm shopping for a publisher, uh, a few irons in the fire here, um, and uh, hopefully get something going uh, within a month or two. And um, by mid-year, maybe I get the book on the shelves. Well, we have so – it's exciting. We have 90 seconds left in this hour. I want to take a call from New Jersey and at least welcome this person to the program and have them state their question to Jim Elvidge. Are we living an artificial existence? Good evening. Who am I speaking with? Hey, this is Jason. Hi, Jason. You're on with Jim Elvidge. Hey, how you doing, man? Go Can ahead. You hear me all right? Go ahead and state your question. Uh, my, actually, my question wasn't really about the uh, existence. It was about uh, Nubru and uh, the pink moon and stuff that's going to be happening in the next few days. Okay. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Jim? 
Yes. Uh, sorry, Jeremy. I can't hear that uh, his uh, his question. I couldn't hear him at all. Okay, I apologize about that. Um, uh, caller, restate your question, and then I'll I'll transfer that to Jim. Uh, basically, uh, the question is uh, supposedly the theory is the idea on it is that Nibiru is going to be the cause of the pink moon, and I was wondering if he's heard anything on that. Uh, is Nibiru the cause of the pink moon, Jim? Oh, I, I, I doubt it. I, that, that's, you know, really not uh, kind of my area of expertise, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I don't, you know, I, I don't think there's, there's a, you know, a missing planet that's going to have that kind of influence. I think we would have observed something, uh, by now. Uh, so my, my guess is no. All right. Well, if you have more, hang on, Jason, through the break. We've got news and we've got weather. We've got more with Jim Elvidge. Are we living an artificial existence? Think about it. Is this just all a big video game? More on the way. On Facebook, like our page for all the updates at Paranormal Show. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-711-9212 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-711-9212. Again, that's 800-711-9212. You're traveling into the Parabnormal, powered by Radionomy, 24-7 at Parabnormalradio.com. Jeremy here, and I'd like to welcome my newest sponsor, Pill Pack. Don't order online. Call this number today and order from them directly, 800-441-0349. You've never heard of Pill Pack? Forget waiting in line at the pharmacy. This works with your insurance, you'll pay your normal copay, and there's free home delivery. 1-800-441-0349. That's 800-441-0349 for PillPack. The Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters, or FREE, is a not-for-profit academic research institute established by the late Apollo astronaut Dr. Edgar Mitchell, Harvard astrophysicist Dr. Rudy Shield, and various PhD scientists and lay researchers. Free is researching what is consciousness. In other words, what is the true nature of our multidimensional reality? By undertaking cross-comparative research on individuals that are having various types of contact with non-human intelligence. To participate in Free's research study and to learn more about their various support and educational programs, 
please visit experiencer.org. That is E-X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E-R dot O-R-G. Thank you. Hey, when you hear an advertiser on this program, why not give them some love? It will only help this show in return. You can click any of the banners at parabnormalradio.com or call the number that you hear in the advertisements. Because when you support my advertisers, you're supporting this program. Another way you can give is through the PayPal link at parabnormalradio.com. Once I rose above the noise and confusion Just to get a glimpse beyond this illusion I was soaring ever higher But I flew too high Though my eyes could see I still was a blind man Though my mind could think I still was a madman I hear the voices when I'm dreaming sure what timeline he's on one thing is for sure jeremy scott just won't go away and take such a licking and keep on picking you're traveling into the paranormal back with jim elvidge and uh, we had jason in uh, new jersey with us before the break uh, we're trying to get him back here in just a moment the universe solved.com is jim's website that's the universe solved.com Hey, I've got a special offer going on at parabnormalradio.com. If you click the special offer uh, banner uh, right below all of the show advertisements uh, for the Watchmen Chronicles, L.A. Marzulli's new UFO documentary, uh, that special offer banner will direct you to a page in which you buy from there. You'll help out this program. So um, please do that to the program. Um, let's see here. Uh, I'm trying to bring... Uh, Bring this person on the air here. Uh, let me see if I can if I can do this real quickly here. Um, <laughs> we've uh, we're, we kind of asked everybody to to call in on Skype so that we could we could hear everybody uh, nice and well. So what I'm going to do is uh, basically a, a whole bunch of behind the scenes magic, and uh, we're going to have Jason on the air uh, from New Jersey. Uh, who was uh, asking a, a question uh, about the pink moon, and uh, he may or may not be with us. Are you with us, Jason? Yeah, I'm here. All right, Jason, your question for uh, Jim Elvidge, please. Uh, well, the question was originally uh, basically um, there's supposed to be a pink moon on the, the 11th, and I was basically I'm just wonder, I've been wondering how it's even possible, why it turns pink, why it turns all these different colors. First off, um, and then, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, myths and all this stuff about, uh, Planet X and Nibiru. And I was wondering maybe if that was the cause for it. Yeah. No, the only thing I can say is that sometimes the, the, um, the, the names, the adjectives that they put on moon, like harvest moon or blue moon or pink moon or whatever, is just, is just to designate a, um, you know, characteristic of the moon. Like maybe it's, it's the, the second moon of the month 
or it's the you know the first full moon in a period where uh, the moon is in an apogee with respect to the earth or you know the, all those kinds of things they have specific meanings i don't think it means that the moon is going to be pink i could be wrong i i don't know much about this to be honest but um i i don't have a whole lot of faith in the Nibiru hypothesis because it's been around for a long time. It's always been predicted, you know, that, that, that there would be something that somebody would find um, and it never seems to happen. So, you know, I, I kind of feel like the, the models that the astronomers have of how, um, how planets influence each other, the little bit of wobbles that they have and so forth, um, they, it precludes the possibility of a large, unknown planet being in our system uh, that said it doesn't mean that there isn't something smaller like a pluto type planet further further out there um but but i don't think it's uh, something that's going to impact our moon that's just my 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 idea okay uh well, okay, well here's another question for you uh did do you believe in a heliocentric model or a, a geocentric model uh well heliocentric but but again that's that is our uh it's it's sort of a reality learning lab that we're in that has that that model for things. Okay. Um, now, if I was to ask you for your first pr- like proof that you were in a, in the heliocentric model, and of course the Earth is curved to it, the big old ball. Um, what would be your first proof for it? For that? <clears throat> uh, well, you know. Again, you know, you're you're asking questions that that aren't my area of expertise so much. But there are, uh, as I remember, there are about five different anomalies that the heliocentric model was the only one that explained. You know, it explained things like uh, retrograde movements um, of of planets. It explained, you know, you know different uh, uh, parallax effect and things like this that no other model explained. So if you think of it, and, and actually I, I do have something in the book, interesting that you bring this up, about the heliocentric model um, and, and just using it as an example of how Venn diagrams can help you figure out what's the best theory that will explain something. So you put a bunch of anomalies up in in uh, in in the space, you, know, you can imagine putting them on a piece of paper or on a on a whiteboard or something like that, and then you circle the anomalies with the theory that it explains. Uh, there were a couple of geocentric theories. Uh, Brahe had one. Uh, some other uh, astronomers had Ptolemaic wow. geocentric theory, and then there were a couple of different heliocentric theories too. Um, one of them um, had the uh, the sun, if I remember right, uh, the, the planets were equidistant from the sun or something like this. Um, but anyway, you, you take all those different theories and you say, uh, which of these anomalies does that theory explain? You draw a circle around it and you'll find that the only one that explains all of them is the modern heliosyncret, uh, helio- heliocentric theory. Jason, I want to thank you for calling in. Um, I, I think I, I heard. A little, I think I heard a little bit of uh, of an inkling that you believe the Earth is round. Is that right? No, I believe the Earth to be flat. Oh, the Earth is flat. Okay, well, that was last week's show, but I appreciate you calling in. Little real quick to what he said. Oh, go ahead. If you, yeah. Um, now you say there's proof for the heliocentric model, but there's actually proofs that it's actually impossible for it to be that way. Um, now, have you ever heard of Eric Dubay, or you know, have you researched flat Earth at all? 
I I would, you know, I've been in <laughs> yeah. planes that flew around the world, so I don't know how that's flat earth possible again. on a flat earth. You know, <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. problem with the flat earth society is that the people think that the earth is flat because it looks that way. That's that's all it is. You know, if you pull yourself far enough away from something, you realize that it isn't flat. Yeah. All right. Uh, that, that's, well, uh, sorry, sorry, I'll sorry, Jason. Uh, yeah, we can we can uh, we can uh, agree to disagree. I want to thank you for calling the program, but uh, but I don't think we're going to get into a conversation tonight about the flat Earth. At least I don't want to because we just did that last uh, week. Um, let's welcome Johnny from Portland uh, to the program. You're on with Jim Elvidge. Hi, Johnny. Uh, what about uh, Joseph? You're on. Do we have Joseph? Hey, can you hear me? I, I got gotcha. you. Good evening. Hey, uh, hey, what's up, Jeremy? Great show. This is a great subject, by the way. Hey, thanks, uh, man. I want to ask him um, if he, in his book or in any of his studies, uh, if uh, sacred geometry at all, uh, like the Merkaba or some of the stuff the ancient magicians used to play around with back in the day, seemed like there's a lot to it, or, or practicality, or as a matter of fact, is any of that come into play with what he's talking about, about the reality uh, and the uh, matrix? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think that the whole idea of sort of, you know, the, the fractal idea um, that you see the same kind of patterns at large scales that you see at small scales, that that indicates some real fundamental aspect of, of reality. And what I think that fundamental aspect is, is algorithmic. It's, you know, it's it makes sense to... Uh, you know, you're going to see certain artifacts because of the way a, a computer algorithm will, will generate uh, reality, and it will generate that at different uh, scales. So, so the practicality of it makes sense. As far as the um, sacred geometry, I mean, I think there could certainly be some patterns that that have a you know a, a logical reason for being um, in in a, in a world that is uh, you know created digitally the way ours could be so um you know i don't know that much about it but i would guess that that um is certainly a possibility awesome man keep it up jeremy this is a great subject have a good night guys appreciate it uh, joseph and now johnny you are on with the uh, jim elvidge welcome to into the parabnormal all right, I think he's having some Skype problems. Hey, um, hey Jeremy, I, I did just come across the, um, the 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 thing about the heliocentric model that yeah. the other guy was talking about. Um, there were there were four anomalies. One was retrograde motion. One was the fact that Venus has phases. One was um, a lack of parallax, uh, which which showed how far the you know the sun was. And then another one was something called stellar aberration, and. Um, the geometric, the geocentric view, uh, the Ptolemaic view, explained retrograde and lack of parallax. Uh, Tycho Brahe had one that he called geoheliocentrism, which explained three out of those four. And then the, Coper- the Copernican heliocentrism explained the phases of Venus and retrograde motion, but it didn't explain the other two. The only theory that explained all of those was modern heliocentrism 
Very well said. Uh, my guest, Jim Elvidge, he's author of The Universe Solved and of Digital Consciousness. His website is theuniversesolved.com. The, toll free, uh, the uh, telephone number is 818-672-6865, 818-672-6865. You can also Skype into the program at Into Pair Abnormal. Who wrote the code on all of this, Jim? Uh, so it depends on, on what you think here. And one of the things I want to uh, point out too is people oftentimes use the word proof and truth and things like that. And th- I, I think there's really not much room for those words in when we're talking about topics like this. Um, proof is something that happens in mathematical theories. It, it, there's no such thing as proof in science. Um, there's no certainly no such thing as proof in religion or philosophy uh, either. So, um, you, you know, I'm, I'm very careful about about uh, you know using using those kinds of words uh, when it comes to things like this. All right, um, the Mandela effect. Uh, this is something that we we hinted on a little bit earlier. Um, of course, many people thought that Nelson Mandela had once died before he ever died in prison. Uh, Many people know the book that they read in childhood, The Berenstain Bears or Berenstain Bears, and uh, there are example after example uh, on top of that. Are there not, Jim? Yeah, there really are, and it seems like they're coming out of the woodwork now. Um, The Berenstain Bears was one of the first big ones uh, because I remember it being S-T-E-I-N. I wasn't uh, an avid yeah, reader too. of those books or anything like that, but you know, I informally asked a bunch of my friends and family, and they all remembered it that way, with a couple of exceptions. So, so that was certainly an odd one. Um, the one that really kills me is th- there was a James Bond movie called Moonraker, and in that movie, there was a character named Jaws. Jaws was played by uh, Richard Keel. He was a huge guy, seven foot tall or something. And uh, so he was sort of the, the, the bad guy's henchman in a couple of the Bond movies. And he had a mouthful of metal. It wasn't braces, like all of his teeth were, were metal. Well, there was this scene in Moonraker where he, uh, he, he crashed. He was in a cable car. The cable car crashed. And this uh, young woman helps him get out of the rubble. And she has uh, blonde pigtails. You might remember this, this moment in the, in the movie. And... You know, as he dusts himself off and the two of them look at each other, they both smile, him with his metal teeth and her with her braces, and they instantly fall in love. And the music swells and they walk off hand in hand. And the whole the whole thing was kind of funny because we know why they liked each other, because they both had mouths full of metal. But if you look at that movie today, Dolly, which is the name of the girl, does not have braces at all. Even even the still images, uh, if you go online, um, Google Dolly Jaws Mandela Effect or Jolly Dawes Moonraker, you'll see that um, she's not wearing braces. And I even have a, a DVD of this movie that I watched after learning this, and I couldn't believe it. So, you know, th- th- there's there's definitely something strange going on, and it's almost like the Berenstein Bears was an interesting one because it felt like history was rewritten to some extent. Um, people remembered S-T-E-I-N, and yet there all the artifacts of reality were S-T-A-I-N. Not everybody remembered it. Some people seem to remember the, the stain spelling. Um, but th- there was 
There was no sort of additional evidence that there was something funny going on with that. You could just say, well, it was it was mass confusion or it was poor, poor memory on on everybody's part. Or uh, it was it was, you know, a collective consciousness mess up of some sort. But the the Moonraker one is different because there is evidence that it used to be different. The whole point of that scene was the fact that the two of them had braces or, or metal teeth. The scene doesn't even make any sense. The, the fact that they smiled at each other and that they instantly fell in love and walked off hand in hand doesn't even make any sense anymore. So that by itself tells you that, you know, there was probably a change somewhere in the reality. Now, in a computer program, in a, in a virtual uh, fantasy world that you might play on a, on a game, a, a massively multiplayer online role-playing game or something like that, the system, the computer could actually go in and change all the artifacts. It could go in and say, every instance of a pine tree that we see anywhere, we're just going to one day, we're going to change them all to palm trees, and the next time people log into this game, they're going to think they're in, a, in the tropics, and they're going to say, hey, what happened to the pine trees? Um, you know, and if they if they looked for a record of the pine trees, they wouldn't find a record of it either, you know, if there were such a thing. So so it is possible if you have a soft reality that is under some kind of programmatic control um, that that uh, these artifacts get changed in some way. And, you know, I'm thinking, too, that I didn't fully answer your question before, which was about, you know, who who was behind this. And mm-hmm. we should probably get back to that at some point. Yeah, I was... I thought that was the end of it. So let's pick it up, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so and, and the reason I went down the path of, of talking about the word proof is there's no real proof about who is behind it. Um, and all we can do is look at the evidence and come to some conclusions. Uh, some people have said, well, maybe we're part of, uh, you know, some alien masterpiece of a, of a virtual game. Or maybe it's us in the future. Um, or maybe we're just playing, you know, a game that uh, or a simulation that that we've generated. Um, there could be some hacker somewhere, but I think you know, based on a lot of the metaphysical stuff, based on the near death experiences, the spiritual experiences people have, uh, paranormal experiences, precognition experiences, and some of the you know things coming out of the quantum mechanics world too. Uh, I think that that what's that there isn't a person behind it. There isn't a, 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 a single entity unless you call that entity all there is. Some people might call that God. But the system itself, the underlying system that created our reality, is constantly improving itself. So it's, that's what created it. This, the, the, the system created the reality that we um, interact in, that we learn in, and it did it in order for it to raise its level of consciousness, its level of quality, um, by having all of us, you know, our consciousnesses subdivide, learn, um, and, and, and evolve accordingly. You know, you hear these things from uh, spiritual practices around the world about how we're all connected. Well, this is the construct for it. We are all connected. We're part of this big, huge mass of consciousness, which is all that there is. And we're subdivided um, so that we can increase our level of consciousness by interacting with each other, learning things through this this uh, this learning lab. Um, and if you think about it, it, it kind of makes sense. If we were 
just this conscious little entity off in the you know the the off in space somewhere talking to each other how would we ever learn in order for us to learn we have to be given some scenarios some experiences some pains some failures and things like that and that can only occur in a kind of simulation so that's what the system did it created a reality learning lab which we call our physical reality has all the cars and the boats and the, the sky and the telescopes and the planets and, you know, you and me and, and all the, the, the furniture in our rooms. All that stuff is that virtual reality that the system created for us to learn in. So the answer to your question is the evidence seems to be leaning toward the fact that the system created it itself and it wasn't an individual. But it's not proof. It's just evidence. Jim, as far as consciousness, if it is not part of the brain, then what is it part of? Because my theory has been, uh, how do you really explain uh, any of this communication that happens in the afterlife if there wasn't something like consciousness that succeeded us in death? Yeah, it does. I, I think I think the consciousness does, uh, you know, does last. And what we really are is this, uh, this, this collection of consciousness consciousness stuff call it organized data organized information organized knowledge that is in the underlying construct of reality when we connect to this physical world this reality learning lab that i'm talking about um that's when we say, okay, well, I'm going to have this kind of avatar. I'm going to have this kind of body. I'm going to grow up in this place. I'm going to grow up in New York or wherever it is. I'm going to have these kinds of parents. I'm going to have, you know, this kind of, uh, uh, um, you know, these these kinds of attributes and, and move in this direction. Um, so so that's that's what happens there. But our true consciousness then can't be part of the brain because the brain is just a piece of that simulation. Does that make sense? It makes all the sense to me. We'll take our final break and come back with more on this subject material. And we'll even dive a little bit further with my guest, Jim Elvidge, particularly down the road of, well, what does the evolution of mankind look like? Paranormal News with John Jeter right around the corner. I've got a rockin' story involving Jimi Hendrix and what he's doing in the afterlife. So stick around. Riding into the paranormal with you, I'm Jeremy Scott. Away from the internet, but got minutes? Hear the show for free on your phone. Call 641-793-7154 or 515-605-9553. There's a subject that most people regard as fringe. 
These stories are right from the mouths of experiencers. This is not just another UFO documentary. The Watchmen Chronicles from L.A. Marzulli. Yet the people in this film have seen something. I've seen a UFO. I've seen a UFO. And I saw a UFO. And I saw a UFO. I've seen a UFO. A UFO. People from all walks of life have come on the record in their own words, and their testimony is true. Join me as we explore the folks who have had encounters in their own words. Order The Watchmen Chronicles now at ParabnormalRadio.com and experience UFO encounters never before told this way. For a limited time, buy one, get the second half off. Click the special offer at ParabnormalRadio.com to order your copy of The Watchman Chronicles today. Into the Paranormal is on social media at Paranormal Show on Facebook and Twitter. Like us. Follow us. Why don't you? Share our content and even invite your friends to like the program. When you follow us on social media, you'll get access to our podcast first. Also hear about the upcoming shows before anyone else. And if there's anything special going on, you'll know about it because you follow and like us on social media. At Paranormal Show on Facebook and Twitter. This is Into the Paranormal 24-7, powered by Radionomy at ParanormalRadio.com. This is Paranormal News. I'm John Jeter. Is the late Jimi Hendrix still rocking from the other side? People say he's appearing nightly around his famous statue on the Isle of Wight in England, where he played his final show in 1970. Witnesses say it's been happening for the past few weeks and is keeping them up at night. One Islander says barely a night goes by when we aren't serenaded by the spirit of Jimmy and his famed guitar. Sometimes it lasts just a few minutes. Other times he rocks from dusk to dawn. Don't ever look into the eyes and back away slowly if you encounter a pudwaji. A what? Imagine this, something that shoots poisonous arrows can transform into a walking porcupine, spark fire at will, and control the spirits of their dead victims. Holy crap, Batman. That's right, up there with that badass zombie Rick encountered on the Walking Dead. It's said to appear out of nowhere and cross the road in search of a mate, causing accidents by its presence alone. Police in Freetown, Massachusetts, posted signs near the state forest warning of Pugwaji crossings where sightings are on the increase because of the mating season. Oh, by the way, April Fool's, man. Solar activity has been heating up again. The sun blasted two solar flares this past Sunday and another on Monday, each one stronger than the previous one. Spaceweather.com says Monday's flare is the strongest yet of 2017. It triggered at least four significant shortwave radio blackouts. It's only the size of a car and came within 10,000 miles of Earth. What's really to worry about? Well, it's just another asteroid, man. This thing was 12 feet wide and was first spotted on Monday by scientists at the Mount Lemmon Survey in Arizona. Researchers say based on its orbit, the asteroid likely passed by Earth in 1961 as well and took a pass at Mars in 2013 and Venus the year after. It is by far our closest call since a 10-foot wide object cruised by the Earth a month ago. Connect with these stories at ParanormalRadio.com. I'm John Jeter, Paranormal News. 
settling into the witching hour on Into the Paranormal. You know, I find the conversation a whole lot more interesting when I talk with great guests and with you, the listening audience, than I could than I do with any other news story that I could uh, pluck out of the uh, headlines on a weekly basis. Not to discount John Jeter's paranormal news, of course. I write the thing. John delivers, and it's uh, getting rave reviews. You can sponsor Paranormal News, actually, <laughs> if you want. Uh, we're starting to explore that possibility as well, uh, because uh, John's doing a great job of uh, really knocking it out of the ballpark, and, and there's really some crazy stories out there that I come across uh, on a week-by-week uh, week basis um, that I'll write up, and, and like I said, John will record, and uh, it really just comes together. But the conversations in which we can have on this program are um, are pretty wide-reaching. Uh, we we kind of had a setback at the beginning of the program in which we were hacked by the Internet. Uh, we've been solid. I, I, I show the stream up solid for at least the past 55 minutes. So we did have a bit of a blip uh, around the 45-minute uh, mark of the past hour. Um, so that Internet attack uh, lasted uh, off and on into the uh, into the 45-minute range of the first hour of the program. But we're all here. We're all accounted for. Jim Elvidge is my guest. His website is theuniversesolved.com. I've linked that up on Twitter. It's also in the uh, show page on uh, uh, the website, paranormalradio.com. Um, so welcome back to the program, Jim. And now we have a, a call from uh, Portland, Oregon, actually here just across town from where I am uh, residing here in my, my secret cold, dark uh, dungeon. Uh, John, welcome to the program. You are on with Jim Elvidge, and uh, good evening. Hi, John. H- hello. <clears throat> hello, Jim. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Okay. Uh, I'm looking online here, and I see you've written a book called The Universe Solved, and you wrote that in uh, 2008, was it? Yes. Okay, it says here uh, that you present astounding evidence that our reality may be under programmed control. Okay, my question is, um, all right, now, first off, I, I don't really doubt that that could be a possibility. Um, because in, uh, in meditation, it's possible to see much greater than we do with our five senses. And so, uh, there have been reports of, uh, such things in the past by certain people, um, you know, and theories put forth, but, uh, what evidence can you, um, can, can you just condense it for us? Uh, and, and, and my, my, my other question is, is by whom? Who do you think is controlling this? Do, do ETs uh, fit into the equation here in any, in any mm, way? That's a good one. Okay, great. Yeah, so um, three questions in there. One, ETs, the, the question about who's controlling, uh, we, we, we talked about yeah. that before. I think it's, uh, it's the system itself that is doing this uh, along with our free will. Each, each individuated consciousness has its own free will, so we're going to influence uh, the nature of reality just you know, by virtue of that fact. Uh, um, yeah. the, the categories of evidence are, you know, some of them will point to why consciousness appears to be separate from, 
from the brain and why consciousness seems to be more in control of our reality than I thought. And then other categories of, mm-hmm. of evidence have to do with why the world seems to be digital rather than continuous. So we could go into all of those, but you know, on the consciousness side, it's, uh, it's evolution, it's uh, localism, realism, free will, the observer effect and quantum mechanics, it's near-death experiences, shared-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, past-life experiences, right. psychic phenomena. You know, here's another one, nature versus nurture. You know, you have identical twins who are brought up in the exact same environment with the exact same genetics, and they have completely different personalities. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying all twins are like yeah. that, but there are there are enough that are. And, and I believe that it's because their personalities are driven by their core consciousness, which has nothing to do with their biological parents, because they are reincarnating. Those biological parents are just that. They're biological parents for this incarnation. Um, the, the finely tuned universe, the universal human spiritual experience, the Mandela effect, all those other anomalies, all those things point to consciousness driving reality. And then on the digital yeah. side, you've got, um, you know, Things break down in physics. Infinite resolution doesn't even make sense. Every physical law breaks down um, with infinite resolution, but you'd have to have infinite resolution to have a continuous non-digital world. Um, the origin logic, the simulation argument, matter. Uh, you know, fo- follow the history of where science has gone with matter. This is a fascinating one. We, we thought back in. Uh, maybe 200 years ago, that matter, each atom was this little indivisible billiard ball that you just couldn't break apart. That was the solid stuff. And then Rutherford found, no, it's it's really, you know, one part in 10 to the 13th matter, and the rest is empty space. And then there's practically nothing to matter, nothing there. And then and then in the 60s, the quark theorists said, hey, even those neutrons and protons are mostly empty space. And then in the 90s, the string theorists said, hey, even those quarks that we used to think made it made up the protons and neutrons, they're mostly empty space and they're just little vibrating bits of string. And so if you look at the history of what scientists have believed about the, the nature of matter, it's getting more and more tenuous. At this point, yeah. it's like one part stuff to 10 to the 52 parts empty space. And the trend is there really isn't any stuff. It's just information. Information and data and rules can explain every single thing that goes on. All the forces, everything we see, we feel, we experience can all be explained just through information. We don't need the stuff. Yeah, that's that's very. Uh, you put it very eloquently. Uh, so, really, it might be said that energy is really what the universe is made of, not necessarily this um, mystical matter that we have conjured up in our minds. Yeah, and then energy is. You know, again, it's one of those words that probably means different things to different people, just like the word vibration and and others. Um, you know, I think uh, it's consciousness. It's whatever yep. that organ, the energy of that organized data that makes us conscious, that's the fundamental stuff of reality. And all we're doing is trying to elevate that through through each experience in this, you know, apparently real physical reality that we have for 80 years or so. That's been my lifelong uh, effort, really, 
But to find out for myself what is exactly consciousness, what makes up me. I know it's not this physical body that I'm walking around in. Right. I see that more as a vehicle to experience this so-called reality, this physical, this physicality. Well, you uh, mentioned. What, uh, yeah, you mentioned meditation. Yes. I, I think. Yes. I think meditation and other ways to um, tap into that state of consciousness you know some people have done mm-hmm. it through through drugs others have done it through ritualistic drumming or dancing other people have just had spontaneous mystical experiences where they separate from their body um what whatever whatever it is that gets you there uh, and i kind of believe meditation is one of the most pure forms of doing it you're clearing out all the clutter in your head that is preventing you from tapping into your true existence um, and once right you get good at it, I, I spent years uh, learning to meditate, and I did get pretty good at it and had some pretty crazy experiences. Um, and I've unfortunately, I've lost it just due to focusing on other things since then. But I think that's a great uh, yeah. way to, to tap into it and to discover, you know, the nature of consciousness, like you said. John, appreciate the call. Thanks for calling, and you're welcome Thank anytime. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Appreciate, appreciate it, Jeremy. My pleasure. Bye. Thanks, John. That's uh, Johnny from Portland, uh, 818-672-6865. That's 818-672-6865. Speaking of the ET subject, or of course you can Skype in into Parabnormal. That's popular as well. SETI, uh, you don't think that's a, a, a viable enterprise to do you at all, Jim? No, I think it's a pretty old-fashioned idea, really. And it's, and it's not that there might not be other you know, entities out there in the, you know, quote, physical uh, universe that, you know, that, that we might be looking for. But even setting aside all of this other evidence that our consciousness is separate from our body, because that really makes the whole point mute. If our consciousness is immortal, um, you know, we, we, we don't have to worry so much about this physical reality. Um, but even setting that aside... Um, it just doesn't make make sense, you know. Uh, imagine us as a civilization. You know, we're from the point that we kind of evolved to be, uh, you know, symbolic civilization, communicative civilization. It's been what three thirty thousand years, fifty thousand years, something like that. And during a very short period of time, starting in the twenties, we turned on radio transmitters and we we modulated uh, electromagnetic radiation at very low frequencies. Um, and, and, and we had radio transmitters that were 300 kilowatts and, and maybe even bigger back in the day. Well, you know what? That's all going away. We, we, don't even, we don't even have antennas on our TVs anymore. We don't connect to, to broadcast stations. We, we barely listen to broadcast in the car. And the, the power of things is, is getting smaller and smaller. We connect and we get our information now through Wi-Fi which is way, way, way lower uh, level of radiation. So even if another civilization followed the same technological advancement path that we did, they might only have a 100-year window of being able to generate radio waves. And, you know, I've done the math on this. If you send a radio wave with the, the most powerful transmitters that we have ever had at our disposal and you send it out into space with the you know the the most focused radio telescope 
it will barely get beyond our solar system before it's buried in the cosmic background radiation. So it's, it's, almost, it's almost even impossible to communicate and then just to think that two civilizations light years apart have actually lined up so that they just, you know, you know f- hit the same level of technology at the same time and they decide to try to communicate with each other on 5.60 a.m. You know, it's just, it's ludicrous, to be honest. Uh, you know, I, I like what uh, NASA's doing and, and some of the space uh, organizations are doing where they're looking for um, biological markers through more creative ways in, in some of these, you know, deep space telescopes, uh, spectroscopy and things like that. I mean, that's a better way to look for life out there, um, I think, than, than SETI. Um, and, and furthermore, uh, about the megastructures, your thoughts on those? Well, I, I looked or, or at lack the, thereof. Yeah, there, it's 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 really a cool thing uh, that's going on there. Um, I looked at the the signals, and and this was actually sort of my area of expertise in in college. I was uh, it was digital signal processing. So um, you, you know, you can look at a signal, and you can infer a lot from that. So if something is uh, the amplitude of the signal falls off in a very smooth way. Um, or a parabolic way, it's going to be because of something called occultation, you know, something moving in front of the light source that it's receiving, um, and then moving across that field. That's not what we observe, though. We observe kind of herky-jerky spikes and valleys in this signal, and then they go away for a while, and they come back. And so, to me, that looks like a... uh, you know, like a like a, a rock field or something, or like like a um, an asteroid field. You know, big huge dust cloud that's moving for some reason, uh, orbiting around this planet and and making it, uh, um, you know, making this this pattern. It's I don't know. It's hard to say, but that's that's my guess. You know, some people have speculated that's. Is a dust cloud, or that it is uh, these rocky debris, and then people put forth arguments against it. But I still think that's probably the the best explanation for it. Uh, ten minutes left, Jim Elvidge, my guest tonight. TheUniverseSolved.com, eight one eight six seven two six eight six five. That's eight one eight six seven two six eight six five. Or you can Skype into Parabnormal. Uh, on the topic of uh, ET, since uh, we had uh, John bring it up, and I did want to get to it eventually. Uh, do you believe in extraterrestrial intelligence? Why or why not? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I think, you know, in, in, the, in a model of reality where all things are possible, where it's incredibly huge and incredibly complex and, and breaking, you know, consciousness into little bits of different types, I think there's a place for, for, for non-human, non, you know, what we would normally consider uh, biological um, uh, consciousnesses, uh, you know, some people who have who have done some exploration into uh, like people like Robert Monroe and William Bullman and others who have done a little bit of exploration into the sort of astral plane have encountered entities that never made it into the physical reality. You know, they they're happy playing whatever role they play in this uh, in in this all that there is um, by doing other things. So. 
What is ET? What are the, you know, I believe in, in people having UFO experiences. I believe in the abduction experiences. Um, there's too many people who have had them to discount that stuff. Um, so the question is, is it, you know, little gray guys that are flying in tin cans, you know, warping space to get here? Um, or is it something, uh, you know, a little more uh, dimensional, you know? And, and I, I, I think it's the latter. I think all this is is a, is a subjective experience. We have a subjective experience every time we walk out the door and experience things and see things. Um, and there's no reason why there couldn't be a category of subjective experiences that are a lot more anomalous than what we're used to. Um, what the intelligence is behind it, really hard to say. But like I said, given how ancient our system is, there could very well be categories of intelligence that communicate with us in certain ways i also think about how you know if we were attempting to communicate with bacteria or something like that that was so significantly below our level of uh of intellect um you know and how long has it been it's been a, a few billion years since we evolved up from from that according to science if we were attempting to communicate with them we wouldn't do it by trying to speak our language or we wouldn't you know, you know what I mean? It would be if we were worried that they would be freaked out by us, we would just be in a stealth mode. I think humanity can go into a stealth mode probably within 100 years or so uh, where we're just not even observable at all to any entity um, out in the universe. And it wouldn't surprise me that if any other entity were out there, you're really not interested in communicating with us because a either we're so far below them in technology there's no point in communicating with us and they don't even want to let us know that they exist um or if they're at our level there's no way for them to communicate with us so uh yeah yeah i mean that's that to me explains the fermi paradox i i think et can exist i i think that ufo's uh, are certainly real experiences that people have and abduction experiences are real experiences, but what that entity actually is, is it's just a different form of consciousness, or it could be like Agent Smith in the Matrix. It's a, um, you know, it's a, an artificial aspect of consciousness. It's an AI type of thing that is part of the bigger system. Don't know. I mean, that's a really interesting area to go into, but the theory allows that very, very easily. Other theories don't. Deterministic materialism doesn't allow uh, UFOs and abductions and things like that. And simulation theory even doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, the, the, you know, Bostrom's traditional simulation theory doesn't, doesn't explain that very well. Uh, Jim, what, what do you think uh, UFO sightings and uh, abductions are? And does your simulation theory play into it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that, uh, again, it's a subjective experience that, that you're having. The question is really only why. You know, why is it there? Is it, is it so that we question our reality or so that we become a little bit more spiritual? You know, maybe it's to, um, to move us, nudge us a little bit in a, in a different direction than the direction that we're going. And maybe it's the bigger system that's doing this. So my guess is that Entities that we experience that we can communicate with in some, you know, non-human to human way um, are another form of consciousness 
whether it's a free will based form of consciousness or whether it's a more, you know, mechanical form of consciousness like an AI, um, can't really say, but it certainly fits into the model because the model is just, we're all consciousness. We're all connected. Um, and the model's digital and it can create anything. It can create anomalous experiences. It can create, oh, here's another situation. You know, let's say you're in a, uh, one of these, uh, virtual world computer programs and you're interacting with some people depending on your spirituality points, your health points, your strength points, whatever attributes you have, you might be able to observe things that the person next to you can't observe. Because that's, that's very easy to program into a, uh, into a system, into a simulation. Very easy. So it's real easy for an extremely sophisticated system like our core underlying reality to program in experiences that only some of us have or things that are so far outside of the of, of the norm that they are called you know abnormal or paranormal or parabnormal mm-hmm. um so so yeah it, it it all it all fits in extremely well jim i i wanted to get your thoughts on the uh evolution of humanity uh where do you see us uh in 50 years and 100 years and forward yeah, I'm I'm kind of an optimist about that. I I think that I mean if you if you take a step back, yeah, there's there's always evil, there's always war, there's always um you know, bad things going on in the world, but overall, quality of life averaged out across the globe, across all of what humanity is, um does improve, you know, compared to 500 years ago where the the murder rate was something like 100 times what it is today. Um, and the, the disparity in income was much worse than it is today and things like that. Um, you know, we, we've, we've come a long way and I, and I think that trend will continue. And I think it's things like this theory, to be honest, um, if people recognize that, um, that their, their soul, their consciousness is really immortal, they would stop worrying about, um, you know, life extension. They stop worrying about competing for resources like it's a, a you know, a, a big game that we have to be competitive with every other person and every other culture. We might be more cooperative. We might be more harmonious. We might realize we don't need to war at all, that it's just pointless to war. So, so yeah, I think, um, you know, I think I think the future of humanity can be pretty good, especially if we start meditating, start getting out of our, our deterministic box and start thinking about some of these things. Out of this world show. I appreciate it. Jim Elvich. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Great show. We will. Indeed, it was best to you as well. We will do it again. Certainly. It won't. Uh, it'll be sooner rather than later. And until we talk to you next week about the Phoenix Forgotten. The story of three teens investigating the Phoenix Lights who, well, were never seen after. And the week after with L.A. Marzulli. And the week after with Joseph Felzer talking about the great myths of our end of times. That's till next week. I'm Jeremy Scott. Good evening. Millions of Americans are getting back to work. 
CareerBuilder calls it the great rehire. And we want to help you get the best jobs before everyone else. CareerBuilder gives you the competitive edge to get the job you want, at the salary you want, with the benefits you want. We even send job alerts so your perfect job lands right in your inbox. Go to CareerBuilder.com today or get left with whatever jobs are left. Find your next job fast at CareerBuilder.com. Hey, Mike, what are you doing way up on that ladder? You're going to hurt yourself. Oh, I'm trying to unclog these gutters. That's smart. I had water damage from my gutters last year. It cost me ten grand. Yeah, wait, $10,000? Yeah, and from over here, it looks like water's been pouring over your clogged gutters, and it's probably doing real damage to your foundation. You need to do what I did. Get off the ladder and call Leaf Filter. Yeah, but I need to get these gutters flowing now. That's why you need to call Leaf Filter. They'll clean and realign your gutters and install their exclusive micro-mesh screen system so nothing gets in your gutters except water. So Leaf Filter protects my house from damage and means no more gutter cleaning for me? Bingo! Plus Leaf Filter has an industry-leading lifetime warranty so your gutters are covered for life. Thanks, Frank. I'm calling Leaf Filter today. Don't go another day with your home unprotected. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com for your free gutter inspection. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com right now for an extra 15% savings. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com That's one 844 Leaf. Thank you for supporting our advertisers. It keeps the show free for everyone. This statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror? How do you like to learn the secret to losing three to five pounds a week without joining the gym or going through any crazy diets? It's called Body Sculpt RX. For the last two decades, we've helped countless people lose thousands of pounds. And now, it's your turn. Learn how to lose weight with one simple phone call and no prescription needed. You'll see an amazing difference in a matter of days. Don't believe us? We'll offer you a risk-free money-back guarantee. So if you're ready to start losing weight, call right now and get a free month supply with your first order of Body Sculpt RX. Call now. You have nothing to lose but the pounds. 800-395-4207. 800-395-4207. 800-395-4207. That's 800-395-4207. You've heard me talking about My Patriot Supply for a while, and things aren't getting any easier. From global conflicts and unstable supply chains, when shelves run on empty, you don't have to panic. Choose peace of mind with their three-month emergency food supply to keep your shelves and your stomach full. In an emergency, you won't have the time, resources, and ingredients to prepare your meals in the way you're used to. But you can get a leg up with My Patriot Supply. It's a three-month emergency food supply. You don't have to skimp. It's ready when you are. It's disaster-proof. And no food boredom here. 20-plus flavorful food and drink varieties. My Patriot Supply is offering a special deal for Into the Parabnormal listeners when you go to parabnormalradio.com slash food. Get your My Patriot Supply today from parabnormalradio.com slash food. That's parabnormalradio.com slash food. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today 
at shopify.com slash records.